I'm a child of God. I have in my hand the powerful Word of God. It can change lives, heal broken hearts, save man's soul. Here's our prayer. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now turn to your neighbor and just do whatever you want to do. This is the most this is the most laughter I see every every Sunday morning right here at this moment. All righty. We're going to finish up a series this morning going right and the culture gone wrong. We're going to talk about grace relations. We're going to be in Acts chapter 10, so grab those Bibles and go back to Acts chapter 10. Great story in Acts chapter 10. Our salvation changes the way we relate to God. Our new identity should also impact the way we relate to believers and to those non-believers. And this morning I want to talk about that as we examine the story of Peter and a man named Cornelius. I love this story. On August 28, 1963, Martin Luther King delivered one of the most inspiring speeches ever given on American soil. From the steps of the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C., Dr. King preached about freedom for all men and denounced the chains of segregation and discrimination that crippled so many of our nation's citizens. His closing exhortation was, For all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentile, Protestant and Catholics, to join hands and sing the old Negro spiritual, Free at last! Free at last! Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. And that remains an ongoing struggle in our blessed country, United States. And as followers of Christ, we must take the challenge that Dr. Martin Luther King presented and take it one step further. While he dreamed of a society where children would not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character, Christians have a higher calling. A calling that directs our relationships with others. We are called to go beyond the content of character and to relate to individuals on the basis of God's amazing grace. From the story of Peter's transformation from race relations to grace relations, we find in this story several important principles that guide us in developing a maturing faith. The first one is we should grow spiritually. Grow spiritually. The story illustrates the need for ongoing growth as followers of Christ. Peter was blessed to spend in three incredible years with our Lord Jesus Christ. Walking with Him. He received instruction, personal instruction, from this great teacher. He witnessed miracles, even performed miracles under the supervision of the Lord. He walked on water. He's the only one of the twelve that actually stepped out of the boat. 
You know, we give him a hard time about stepping out and, 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 and going under, but at least he stepped out. <laughs> He's the only one. He was invited to be a backstage guest at that glorious transformation and transfiguration ceremony of Christ when Elijah and Moses came to talk to him. You know, Jesus needed a little bit of encouragement about that time, don't you think? You see, because when we face difficulty in life, we need encouragement. Young people, when they face tough things, they need encouragement. They don't need somebody beating on them. We need encouragement. I need encouragement. I love going to John 3.16. And their new facility, by the way, my gracious. Great planning obviously went into that building. But how much more functional, how much more beautiful... It is. 13, we took Wednesday. We hit the place. We get on the floor. And these kids start working. This is the part about working with them that I love the most. It's to watch those glimmers of humility, those glimmers of maturity starting to come up. And it's great to watch. You should see them sling food out on those trays. You should see them wipe the tables down. You should see them mop the floors. Wash the dishes. And pray that the preacher is going to take them to eat some pizza somewhere. And we went. We always go to, well, we've, we'll always go now to CC's on Peoria. Kim kind of got that going. And that guy sees our bus drive up. He already gives us a discount before I get in the door. There's no better place to take this group of young people than an all-you-can-eat pizza place. They usually just take the whole tray and just keep going. It's awesome. But to watch them grow spiritually as they reach out and help other people, it's amazing. Peter, in all these things he experienced, with all the special instructions that he'd received, he had failed to grasp the significance of spreading the gospel to the Gentiles. God graciously leads Peter through a series of visions in this chapter and sends a special group of visitors to grow Peter's faith in this area of race relations. Because you see, the Jews and the Gentiles, <laughs> uh -uh. Uh -uh. and we talk about relations, but we don't do much beyond talking about it. Thank God. There may come a time. Dr. King understood that time. But he leads, God leads Peter. And it's more than a condemnation of his prejudice. This chapter illustrates that sin is the result of spiritual weakness and immaturity. Peter was prejudiced because he lacked spiritual understanding and discipline. False teaching and ungodly tradition had shaped his thinking in that area more than the commands of Christ. I don't know. You may struggle or may not struggle with the area of race relations, but we all struggle in some area of our lives. I've started saying gracias to the pe people at the drive through at McDonald's. They say thank you, and I say gracias back. Why not? The only other Spanish I know is taco 
bueno. And occasionally I'll throw in chalupa. But I can at least say gracias. And they always smile at me when I do. Probably because I'm not saying it right. But we need to be more about loving instead of hating. Amen? And whether the problem... You see, we, we struggle with spiritual weakness too because it could be in the area of financial, relational, or emotional. The root cause will usually be a spiritual issue, but Peter would write in his final letter to the saints of God to crave the Word of God like a newborn so that you would grow in faith. Apostle Paul exhorts the saints to combat weak faith and be strong in the Lord. Through spiritual growth, we develop the strength to confront and to destroy the strongholds that threaten our lives as individuals and as a church. You're not born hating other people. I can have a black baby and a white baby in the same nursery at the same hospital next to each other. And they would just hold hands because that's all they know. Until somebody teaches them that they can't do that. But now it's not so much that. I can't get the, the Chinese and the Spanish and the Indians and the Somebody has to teach them those things. Or we should teach them the Word of God. And this story busts open. If you carry prejudice in your life, this, this chapter is for you. Because you you, you got to understand. And it's still going on today, by the way, in the Middle East. They don't talk about it. They kill each other. If you are not from the right side of the track. You're killed, not talked to. They kill you. Right now. We don't sit around and act like we're going to hurt you. They'll kill you. Because you don't see it the way they see it. And you're wrong. Hmm. Wow. God's inviting us to grow beyond the shells that limit our ability to experience His abundant life. His amazing grace. The second thing I want you to see from this chapter is that we should grow spiritually, but we should also go faithfully. Look at verse 20. Go with them. Go with them. For I have sent them. He's... God is telling Peter, go with them, for I've sent them. And one of the major principles from experiencing God, some of you went through with Henry Blackaby, that wrote, wrote by Henry Blackaby. It says, you can't go with God and stay where you are. You can't grow in Christ and be the same as you are this moment. You must grow to change, to mature. Now, some people don't. They choose to stay right where they are. Spiritually, I'm not going to... I've been to the water. I've come out of the water. I go to the church. They have communion every Sunday. I have a Bible. I don't carry it, but that's okay because I have one. In fact, I have several, but I don't ever read them, but that's okay because I've read them before. Their favorite hymn. Oh, there's a whole new thing. Hymn against the new stone. You got to throw out one to have the other. You got to have the other. Throw out the other. 
But their favorite hymn is, I shall not be. <laughs> you know it well. <laughs> I shall not be. And they grit their teeth. I shall not be moved. And they clench their fists. I shall not be. Don't you try to take this out of here, preacher. I shall not be moved. Just like I think tree that's planted by the living water. Though my roots aren't going very deep, I'm still planted over there. That's how, isn't it sad how we are? We get so, so pigeonholed in who we are, what we are, and our comfort zone. Oh, don't make me go out of my comfort zone. Peter faced several obstacles that threatened to keep him in his shell. We face obstacles that threaten to keep us in our shell. Fear of failure or the unknown often keeps us in that shell. Apathy and coldness toward those who need the love of Christ keeps us confined. Busyness blinds us. And we're still living in the shell. It's great that you have boats. It's great that you like to ski. It's great that you like to fish. It's great that you like to be at the lake. But you usually have to do it on Sunday. Because Saturday's set aside for the kids to play ball. Amen. We've got to be at the ball field. They're in a tournament. It's gone from sun up to sundown and fast. We're out there, boy. We ain't leaving because you pay a fee to get in. We're not moving out. We're staying there, bringing the ice chest in. We're in for the day. Hey, come to church tomorrow. Oh, come on. You're starting that class when? At 9 o'clock. Oh, my gracious. 9 o'clock in the morning. I can't get up that early. Oh, my God. Or we go to the lake. People say, well, you can worship God at the lake. I say, sure can. What time do you do that? I'd like to pull my boat up and join them, amen? Hmm. Vain traditions. Vain traditions, the Bible calls it, keeps individuals and churches in bondage from trying new things to reach the lost. We're going to show a movie in this room Friday. We're going to serve them snacks before the movie. I will do that in the fellowship hall because that's okay. But how dare they bring it in here? I know when we first got the carpet, nobody would bring anything in here, right? Now there's stains everywhere. It's like at home, isn't it? Just like at home. Oh, didn't mean to spill that. Well, okay. Clean it up, maybe. Just, oh. I hurt when I hit myself in the head. <laughs> Cindy finally had enough. Jesus taught and demonstrated throughout his ministry that his kingdom included all people, regardless of race, age, nationality, or gender. In our churches, pastors included, we've often presented evangelism to the average saint in the pew in a manner that creates really unfair and unbiblical expectations. We, we give you a sheet of paper and we expect you in 15 minutes to go out and lead somebody to Jesus. <laughs> I would rather you spend time getting to know them, develop a relationship with them. I mentioned the Sunday school this morning, and I, you know, I've had second thoughts about how I approached it, but had some young people ask me this week about baptism and want to be baptized. I said, man, that's great. So set up an appointment, they come. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm going to come and learn about baptism, 
wouldn't it behoove me to bring a Bible? Amen? I mean, if you're going to come to the church for the preacher to teach you something about baptism, shouldn't you bring a Bible? Shouldn't you bring it on Sunday so we can open it and learn from it? Uh, I know I'm being unreasonable. The Bible says, and Jesus used the phrase, making you fishers of men. Well, that indicates a disciplined process with the appropriate training and resources. And then you'll quickly say, aha, there you go. You don't train us how to do it. We've tried. And when we did, you wouldn't come. You mean i got to come for longer than 20 minutes? Yeah, sorry. It's actually going to go on like six months. Oh, there ain't no way I can make a commitment for six months to learn how to win somebody to Jesus. What are you going to do, make me memorize the Bible? Maybe. I found out that I can't get a CDL license because I shoot insulin in my arm to help control my diabetes. But I went through everything. I passed every test they gave me. I gave a driving test. Guy said, man, this is superior driving. I went, whoa. And I went back because I messed up on the pre-trip inspection. Went back. He didn't even give me half the test because I was doing it right. Man, like a machine. Only to find out. Yeah, you can't have it. Not in the state of Oklahoma. But the National Transportation Board gave me a, a waiver and said, I can drive anywhere I want to drive as long as I got that waiver. And Not in Oklahoma. Isn't that fun? But the same lady told me that if I put 15 kids in the van and take off, I can go anywhere I want to go. I just have to drop 10. Can't take 25, but I can take 15. Same guy, same insulin, I kill over dead right there. So if you send your kids with me and I, I go out, it's the state's fault, not mine. I say that to say, I know how to drive a van. Why do I have to go and be trained how to drive a van? Why do I have to take these tests for to show me... Who cares about hazmat and stuff? Who cares about hazardous materials on a church bus? Who cares about the mirrors, whether they work or not? Why do I got to check the tires and the oil and all that? Why do I check all that stuff? Why do I check the springs and make sure they're not cracked? What is that all about? So all the turn signals don't work. Big deal. It's a church bus. Why do I got to stop at a railroad track and look for, tra- for ra- uh, trains that aren't even coming? But you do all that to be trained how to do it right so you don't kill somebody. Amen. Same thing in Scripture. Same thing in Scripture. In fact, we need to grow in such a way. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, 6, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. See, it's not you and me talking about it. It's not you and me going out and spreading the Word. It's God doing it through us. Fear, apathy, busyness, false teaching. They're just some of the chains that keep us from getting out of our shelves to advance the gospel. Where and to whom is God calling you to go? So we need to grow spiritually, go faithfully, and then thirdly, show mercy. Without a proper understanding of the context in which the story occurs, it's difficult to appreciate why Peter was reluctant to 
to take the gospel to the Gentiles. We see examples of the racial divide even in the contemporary conflicts in the Middle East. I mentioned it earlier and it's true. Jews and Palestinians fighting all the time. It's ongoing. Can you think of the hatred that exists in Bosnia between the Serbs, the Muslims, and the Croats? And as bad as racism was and still persists at times in the United States, it doesn't compare to the hatred in other parts of the world. I left the home of a family who was visiting our church. When I went into the home and they looked at me and said, Preacher, you have black people at your church. I said, I wish I had more. She said, no, you don't understand. They're going to hell. I've never wanted to really hit somebody, especially an old person, but I really wanted to help her get to heaven early. <laughs> it's Honestly, I don't just get up and walk out of a house, but I had to right then because my, I felt the temperature rising within me. How sad and in a shell is that lady. Oh, she left the church because I didn't agree with her. And I won't agree with her. I won't ever agree with her. We need many more people of color. We need many... In fact, Deke Thompson, remember Deke years ago? He was in high school. He used to sit on the back row and he said, Preacher? He said, Man, we got to get these people alive. I said, What are you talking about alive? He said, they, they just don't talk back to you very much. I said, I know, Deke. Why don't you start it? Well, he was afraid, of course. But I remember preaching up in North Tulsa. Some of you are with me. And I said to him in the sermon, I said, Hey, I, you're not going to like this part. They yelled back, Say it anyway. I say, you're right, but say it anyway. <laughs> yes, sir. That's somebody tuned in, isn't it? That's somebody wanting to, wanting to learn. But the hatred has got to go. The hatred has got to go. They didn't learn it when, or they didn't get it when they were born. They learned it afterwards. Think of verse 27. The Bible says that Peter entered the house. Now, he was given these visions from God with sheets of unclean animals, right? Came down to him. God said, eat of it. He said, I can't eat of that. I'm a Jew. You know what? I need that stuff. Mm, 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 mm. Takes it back up, brings it back a second time. Same thing. Eat. No, no, I can't. How could I do that and defile my Judaism? How could I read anything beside the King James Bible? Are you kidding me? Have you read King James? I'm proud of you. Go for it. But don't hinder others from doing it and making it your... In fact, one guy told me about the King James Version. He said, if it was good enough for the Apostle Paul to use it, it's good enough for me. <laughs> wow, man, I just got an enlightenment. I didn't know that Paul lived till the 1600s when King James was... Wow. Speaking of bondage. Finally, the third time, God says to Peter, don't call unclean what I've cleansed. Now we're going. So verse 27, Peter enters the house. And in verse 34, he declares that God does not show favoritism. Can you see the change in him? 
I will never eat of that, those food items. God does not show favoritism. <laughs> Christ-honoring evangelism is not just telling people what to do. It's showing them where to go to find Jesus Christ. And they find it faster through our love for them. Amen? Yeah. Peter's willingness to enter that house it was a major factor in the walls of prejudice being torn down and an openness given to the gospel. Peter entered their world and boldly proclaimed the gospel and when he stepped through Cornelius' door, he had to step over hundreds of years of hatred and false teaching and cultural differences. He had to be willing to experience the criticism of the traditionalists, the legalists, and the racists. He had, Peter had to walk away from the applause of the men and to seek the approval of God. Oh, that we believers today would quit worrying about what people think and be concerned more about what God thinks. It's a story of obedience in chapter 10. More than a story of amazing compassion. Peter obeyed God. Mercy began to flow from his soul. And we've mistakenly think that we must feel merciful before we obey. But the Bible says and reveals obedience precedes emotional feeling. Our church has taken mission trips to work with churches in Mexico. It's always an amazing time for me when I've gone and for some of you when I mention the trips to Mexico instantly things come to your mind don't they I think of the scraggly headed chicken that disappeared one day and I discovered that I think he was the lunch meal for that day and Berlin's a stronger man than I am he ate it I think Jeff did too I'll never forget no toast Joe they didn't have paved parking <laughs> on top of the mesa. It was just pretty thick sand. And No Toast Joe was up there in his wheelchair. And I saw teenagers grab Joe and help him get through that sand to get to the little building to paint it. What they called red. <laughs> okay. I remember seeing girls get up on top of the preacher's house and put shingles on. Well, the shingles in there in Mexico aren't the kind that we have. you got to put the tar down first, and then you roll it out and nail it down. Well, when you put the tar on first, guess what else get, gets on? Everything else. But I saw girls, beautiful girls, get up on top of that thing and get tar all over them. Never, never batted an eye. I remember one year that the kids from the community were up at the school, and they wanted to play soccer. So our kids got out there. Miranda Zoller was there. And you know, I thought, oh, this will be great. Tyler Vocal was out there. Tyler's a big old boy. His, just him alone was the equivalent of about eight of those little guy, Mexican guys. But you're talking about some guys schooling that dude on Scocker. They had that ball. They was running around him and laughing and saying stuff to him. And he was, he was turning around in a circle. And pretty soon one of them said, you want it? And he goes, yeah. They threw it and he missed it. Hit him right in the belly. We go pop the boom like that. And over Tyler bent over and then he looked up and started grinning because those little kids thought that he was going to hurt them. He said, oh man, that was great. 
He started hugging on him. Tears coming down his eyes. That's what I'm talking about. And the last trip that I made on the way out in a van that was barely running, we were going through town and this, we had bags to give out to kids and we had a few left and there was two, a boy and a girl playing in the front yard. And we stopped and I said, I had Elizabeth Hupp in Spanish say, do you want these toy bags? And they came over and we gave them to them and the girl stood right by my door with my window down and did this. It's universal. What am I supposed to do? Spit on her and move on? That's what I did. I just spit on her. I said, get out. You worthless. I reached out of that window and I pulled her up there so I could hug her. I still tear up when I think about it. What kind of future does she have? I don't know. But God knows. And for just a brief moment, we got to give them something from Jesus. I wish I could share the gospel with her. I wish I could have spent more time with her and get to, get to know her and her brother. But I'm telling you, the transformation that happens is unbelievable. Do you know who needs mercy? White, black, Hispanic, Asian, rich, poor, fat, skinny, young, old. Jesus said, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Are you willing to climb out of your shell to grow, to go, and to show? You never know who will respond. It might change your life. I've seen it and I know It'll change somebody else's. Father, we ask you this morning, in the quietness of this hour, that you become real in the lives of some of your people in this room. It's really easy, Lord, to blow things off. It's real easy, Lord, to get complacent. It's real easy, Lord, to just sit back and say, well, whatever, whatever, whatever. There's always heartache in life, but the heartache can become a blessing and victory if we allow it to. And so, God, I'm asking you today to do a mighty work in the hearts of some people in this room. It'll be very courageous for them to step out and to say that publicly. But I think it's equally as courageous for them to say to you through prayer that they need to make some changes. So God, I'm just praying today that you will speak to them. And God, I've met people of every color who need a lot of help, who need a lot of growth. I've met people of, a, of every color I can think of who are so on fire for Jesus Christ that I'm ashamed of my unwillingness to do more. So God, would you today, would you today 
bring grace relations into the lives of your people in this church. In Jesus' name, amen.